It is great to see all of you today. Corey ended our worship set with that song, Heart of Worship. How many of you are pretty familiar with that song? It is a beautiful song. It's, it's funny. We would consider it old as a contemporary song because it's, uh, it was written like in 1998 or 99. And we have songs in our old hymn book that were written in 1499, so it's really not an old song. It was written and first performed by a guy named Matt Redman, and the, the history behind it is great. Their pastor basically called out their church, including their band, because they said, look, we're, we're performing well, we're singing, we go through the motions, we look good, but we're really not worshiping God. And Matt went back after spending time with God, and he wrote that song that said, we got to get back to the, what worship is really about, the heart of worship and really worshiping God. And this morning, in John chapter 4, we're going to talk about the heart of worship. John 4, we've been talking about bumping into Jesus. We're going to be in this series, one more sermon next week. And this morning, we're going to talk about a subject that, to me, a lot of people are confused on. It's caused problems in a lot of churches. But we're going to talk about what real worship is. And let's begin with this. Real worship is done from the inside out. When we talk about worship, it is an inside job, if it's true, from the inside out. The background, Jesus was in enemy territory. They're in Samaria. Remember, the Jews hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans hated the Jews. And Jesus, of course, didn't play along with that. But that's the prejudice of the day then. And he's talking to a Samaritan, which Jews and Samaritans wouldn't talk. He's talking to a a woman. And a Jewish rabbi wouldn't even talk to a Jewish woman, much less a Samaritan woman. And she's a woman whose reputation is not very good. And Jesus is interacting with her in the heat of the day at a well. And in verse 20, she throws a question at him. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshiped. Now, she's doing one of two things. I think maybe both. Jesus just hit her and exposed her heart. Remember, Jesus said, hey, go call your husband. And she said, I'm not married. Jesus said, you're right, you're not married. You've had five husbands in the past, and you're Living with someone right now, you're not married to, you're right, you're not married. And, and, and her response is, hey, you must be a prophet. And then she throws up this theological debate that they, Jews and Samaritans had been debating for years. Now she's either trying to get Jesus off the main subject or, and or she's really sincere. Where do I find God? I'm seeking God. Where do I really find God? Now, Mount Gerizim is in Samaria. We have a picture of it. This is how it looks today. Probably didn't look a lot different 2,000 years ago. That's where the Samaritans believed that you were supposed to worship. We're told in Genesis that Abraham and Jacob built altars somewhere right around in that area. Now, we also know that the Jewish people said, no, 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 no. Jerusalem is where you are supposed to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. Now, The Samaritans in 400 B.C., 400 years before Jesus, had actually built a temple there in Mount Gerizim. And then about 128 B.C., 300 years later, the Jewish people came in and destroyed their temple. Do you understand why there was consistently a hatred there between the Jewish people and the Samaritans? But the Samaritans, again, they believed, hey, this is where you're supposed to worship. They said, in fact, that this is where Abraham went to sacrifice his son Isaac. The Jewish people said, no, it was uh, where the temple is at Mount Moriah. The Jewish people were probably more correct there than the Samaritans. But their argument was, 
where do you worship if you're going to worship God? They had pretty much, them and the Jewish people, most of them, confined worship to a place or a space. In verse 23, Jesus says, but the time is coming. Excuse me, let me go to verse 21. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Now, boy, let me tell you, he just hit her hard. And he really hit the Jewish people hard, too, who were going to read this later. Because the Jewish people believed you had to worship at the temple. Some believed you could worship other places, but that was the primary place. In fact, many of them worshipped the temple, and certainly Samaritans would have been there. And Jesus said, guys, you got it all wrong. You can worship at a temple, but, but it's, the temple's not the main thing or the main key to worship. In verse 21, you notice what he says here. The time is coming when you will not worship in on this mountain or that mountain. And then he tells him in verse 23, but the time is coming, indeed is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The word true there, if you're taking notes, means real. Real worship. What are we doing this morning? Are we really worshiping God? Genuine worship, Jesus says, is done in the spirit. In verse 24 For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Let's look at God as spirit. When it says God is spirit, what that means is God doesn't have a physical body like us. God took on a physical body in Jesus Christ to show us what God's like. The God's not confined by time and space. You can't put God in a bottle or put God in a box. God is God is spirit, and he tells us that real worship is not about a place or a lack of a place, that real worship is done in your spirit. Where is your spirit? The Bible says you're made up of three parts. You're made up of body, a soul, and spirit. And the spirit in in your being is the part of you that's really alive, the part of you that, that, that thinks, that reasons, that will. Listen, at some point, your body will die, but your spirit will not die. Your spirit will live on forever. And God says this, if we're going to worship properly, real worship comes from the inside out. It comes from our spirit. Again, they believed that you had to be in a place to worship. Some of them worshiped a place. And what Jesus said, here, you can worship God anywhere because if you're really worshiping, it's about what's going on in your heart from the inside out, not a structure. I've had people tell me for 35 years as a pastor, preacher, I can worship in that deer stand as good as I can in the church. First of all, you're not going to the deer stand to worship, and you can worship in a deer stand. Worship before church, come to church, go back and hunt and worship that afternoon, amen? You shouldn't not be in church. But what this is saying is great. Yes, you can worship in a deer stand. You can worship in a church. You, you can worship anywhere and, and, and you should worship at home, by yourself, in your car. And you certainly should be worshiping this morning because worship is about sincerity from your heart. If you come to church and you sleep, you talk, you play on your phone, you're not paying attention. You can say you're doing a lot of things, but you're not worshiping. Worship is sincerity from your heart to God. Worship can be expressive. It can be very solemn. 
Listen, I, I am for expressive worship. I was raised in a more reserved environment growing up. My parents, I mean, my, my parents' idea of emotion might have been this at a football game. That was about it. But I'm for it. I'm for people raising their hands and saying amen. Remember saying amen to a preacher is like saying sick them to a bulldog. It just gets you motivated. But it's got to be real, doesn't it? I mean, don't, don't sit there like this and go, I'm worshiping and your, your heart's not in it. Or you can raise your hands and dance in the aisles and not be worshiping if your heart's not in it. True story, back in the late 90s, a lot of churches were transitioning. They call it the worship wars. Any of y'all remember the worship wars, you old-timers? People, you know, if you're going to worship God, it has to be with a hymn. If you're going to worship God, it has to be with a chorus. And so the, the, the two, there are a lot of problems. And this man told me in his church, people were beginning to raise their hands in the worship service, which was it's just great. It's great if it's sincere. And he said that this, this couple was sitting in front of him, a young couple, they were singing, and the lady had her hands up like this. And the, and the husband was just standing there like this. And he said, that woman took her elbow, bam, almost broke his ribs, bam, hit him in the ribs. And instantly his hands went up in worship. <laughs> Folks, that's not sincere. That's a cowardly man. Amen. We know who wore the britches in that marriage. <laughs> Listen, raising your hands, being solemn, whatever is awesome if it's you. If you're going to worship God, it's not fake. It's sincere from the heart, from the inside out. Here's the second thing Jesus says. Real worship must be done in truth. It must be done in truth. Worship is from the inside out. From our spirit to God's spirit. Now look in verse 22. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we we Jews know all about him for salvation comes from the Jews. You see, he tells the Samaritans, and see, Jesus has the right to do this because he is God. He's saying, guys, y'all are worshiping, but your worship, for the most part, is not real. It's, it's, not, it's not accurate because it's not based in truth. The, the word truth there means reality. It means what's real or what's true. The Samaritan people, for a little background, they accepted the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The other books, there's 39 books in the Old Testament, they did not accept those as being the Word of God. The Jewish people did. And so the Samaritans are worshiping God, but they're not worshiping God correctly or accurately or truly. Now, let's pause because in our culture today, this is very important. Does it matter who you worship as long as you worship a God? If you're just singing loud, and does it matter if there's a focus? I mean, can the focus be on this screen or on a TV or a tree or, or whatever? In January of this year, there was a blog post by a, a person who is a Christian in Hollywood, and he said it's interesting, a lot of celebrities, a lot of celebrities are claiming their faith in God and that they're religious. Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of one of the founders of Facebook has been an atheist for years, and he's come out recently and said religion is very important to him. He just didn't say what religion was important to him. And then this article went on and talked about these different celebrities who believed in God or had a faith or that, that worshipped. That, that's interesting. It, it got my attention for sure. 
In this book titled The Triumph of Faith, listen to this. This is staggering. The author says four out of five, 80% of the people on our planet claim to be religious. I would have never thought it was that high. Four out of five, 80% of the billions of people uh, in our world say that they worship some type of God. Some God, whoever he is or whoever she is. The New York Times had an article in, in October of 2010, excuse me, 2013, that said in America, 80% of people believe in angels. They believe in spiritual beings. And then they asked tons of people, do you go to church? They took the, the segment that said they never went to church, asked them about their spiritual life. 90% of the people who said we never go to church, they said, well, we pray regularly. We, we pray. We try to interact with God or a God. Hmm, does it matter what you worship? I mean, as long as you're sincere, right? It's got to come from the heart. We worship in, from, from the spirit. I mean, it, does it matter if it's a totem pole or a half a gallon of bluebell ice cream? I'm going to do business with some bluebell today, but I'm not going to worship it. I'm going to devour it. And see, I think the thing Jesus is going to tell us, folks, is it absolutely matters who you worship. Here's the thrust of what Jesus says. We know and we worship the Father through the Son. I know this is not politically correct, but folks, this is a heaven or hell issue. This is the truth of the Bible here. We know and we worship the Father through the Son. Look in verse 22. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes from the Jews. Jesus wasn't saying the Jewish people in his day had it all right because many of them had it way wrong. But, but he was saying basically they had the Bible, they understood their Bible, they understood Jerusalem was the spiritual headquarters, and they had an understanding of God the Father. And they said this too, he said this, salvation comes from the Jews. He, didn't, he wasn't saying all Jewish people are going to be saved. What he was saying was the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ, is coming through the Jewish people. Warren Wiersbe's a, a Bible scholar and a writer. He said one time he was in the airport and he was talking to a man. They got into a debate about the Messiah. And the, he said the Messiah is coming through Korea. And I read that and I thought, oh, Lord, I hope it's not North Korea. <laughs> is he little and mean? <laughs> And Wiersbe rightly said, no, the Bible says the Messiah is coming through the Jewish people. The Messiah's coming through the Jewish people. The Messiah, Jesus has already told this lady, I am the Messiah. I'm the one. Or he's fixing to tell her that. I'm the guy. Look in verse 23. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. That's who the Father's looking for. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must not only worship him sincerely and from the heart, but from truth. In 2016, there was a massive survey done of people who professed to be Christians. This is staggering. Two-thirds of people who said they were Christians said, Jesus isn't the only way to heaven. He's not the only way to God. That he's one way, but you could go through Buddha or Allah or there, there's multiple ways to God. John 14, 6. Here's what Jesus said about it. Jesus told him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or he is Lord. I'm going with the last one, friend. He is Lord. So here's what Jesus said. 
We, and, and folks, here's the great news. This is for anybody. We can come to know Him and know the Father God through having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then when we know the Father through Jesus Christ, that's how we worship. How do we worship in truth? We worship in truth by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we worship God the Father through our relationship with Jesus. We worship Jesus because we know him. We worship through and with the Holy Spirit. And we worship, the, we worship God through the Holy Spirit and through the Son. Isn't that wonderful? What is the Spirit and truth? Man, it's sincerity. It's accurately. Halle Berry is a beautiful actress. She was asked recently about her religion. She said, I believe in God. I just don't know if it's Jehovah, Allah, or Buddha. We believe it's Jesus Christ. And that you know Him through the, you know the Father through Him. And that you worship truthfully and in truth. Through your relationship with Jesus. Now here's the third and final question this morning. What is real worship? Worship comes from the heart. It's got to be sincere. No matter what I do inwardly or outwardly. If it's not sincere, it's not worship. I've got to worship in truth. I'm not just throwing stuff up in the air. I'm worshiping the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. But what in the world is worship? What? This is a $10 million question. Well, some of you would say, well, the, what we're doing in this service is a worship service. I hope so. May or may not be. Some people would say, well, the singing part of the service, that's the worship, then you have the preaching. Well, it can be. Preaching can be worship. Some people would say, well, you're worshiping when you have an organ and, a, and, a, and you do hymns. That's worship. Others would say, no, 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 you worship when you have a band and a praise team. Some people would say, if you're going to worship, you need to have a suit and tie on and be cleaned up. Others would say, no, you ought to be relaxed and you ought to be comfortable if you're really coming to worship. And the truth is, all of those things can be worship or none of those things can be worship. In verse 20, the lady's question was to Jesus, where do we worship? On this mountain or on that mountain? If you're taking notes, this is very important. I want to define to you what the biblical word worship means, and it's wonderful. To worship means to kiss something, to fawn over it, to crouch, to prostrate or lay yourself out, to reverence, to adore, or to surrender. Let me repeat that. To worship something means you adore it. You fawn over it. You You'll prostrate yourself or lay yourself out before that person or thing. It ultimately means to surrender to someone or something. One of the Bible dictionaries I use as I study, I've seen this for years. A scholar says one of the best ways to understand worship is to watch a dog Kneel at its master's feet and lick its master's hand. That's what worship is biblically. In an oriental culture that Jesus lived in, a picture of of worship was even how they greeted each other. Now this was man to man or woman to woman. We'll do man to man in here. Josh and Merrick are equals. So they meet tomorrow in the hallway. Instead of a handshake, they kiss each other. On the lips, kind of disgusting, wouldn't it be? 
But would it be to you guys, I hope? So they do. And then walks Clayton, who is their superior. And they kiss Clayton on the cheek. And then in walks the senior pastor, whoever that is. And they would fall to the ground, blowing kisses, and touch their forehead on the ground. That's what worship is. Can you sing and worship God? Absolutely. Can you sing your heart out and not come close to worshiping? Absolutely. Can you teach or preach the best sermon and worship God? Absolutely. Can you teach or preach the best sermon and not even be worshiping? Absolutely. Can you play instruments beautifully in worship? Yes. Can you play beautifully and not touch worship? Yes. See, worship, worship is about a surrendered heart to God. Worship is about approaching God and going, man, God, I love you, man. I adore you. God, I am surrendering my life to you. That is what real worship is. Sincerely, from the heart to the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. That's the heart of worship. That's what worship's all about. In Romans 12, 1, it tells us, Exactly what I'm trying to say. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God. Because of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Did you get that? True worship, true worship is when you give yourself to God. When you become a Christian, you have, you have for the first time in your life really worshiped God. But as a Christian, we ought to be worshiping God all the time. You notice it says in some translations, present yourself a living sacrifice. A sacrifice is going to do what? It is going to die. He's saying that you are giving yourself to God when you worship Him. And I love what someone said I heard years ago. The problem with a living sacrifice is it has a tendency to crawl off the altar, doesn't it? That's true. But God says, you want to worship me? Quit playing games. Quit getting mad if the song's not sung that you don't like or you don't know the words. Read the words. We put them on the, we put them on the screens. Amen. I told you a story when I was in college. I was just a young Christian. I just, man, I started liking to sing. And I'm sitting by this older, mature Christian girl. And we're singing and she's not singing. And I was just, I said, why aren't you singing? She goes, I just don't know that song. I, and I said, can you read? I think that may have been our last date too, right there in, in chapel. We come to church and you can miss everything. If you're here to critique, criticize, find fault, ignore, not focus. Or you can come to church or you can go wherever. And when you're coming to lay your heart out to Jesus Christ, you are worshiping him. And folks, I want to tell you, if you need to be told this, and I don't think many of you do, God's worthy of our worship. I read these this week, and this is phenomenal. An astrophysicist named Eric Zacharyson, he's a Swedish scientist. Listen to what he said. He believes there could be as many as 700 quintillion planets in space. 700 quintillion, that's seven with 20 zeros after it up there. Now, I don't know if he's a Christian or not. By this statement, I would question it. But he goes, you know, and it's weird that earth is just so unique amongst all of them. In a, in a book called Amazing Truths, 
One of the scientists said, of everything we know about space, we may only know 5% of what is up there. Are you letting that sink in? And in Genesis 1-1, it says, in the beginning, accidentally, there was a bang and everything just fell apart. No, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That amazes me, but let me tell you what amazes me more. is that God knows you're in this room this morning. God knows every hair on your head, every problem of your life, every sin that you're hiding, and he loves you anyway. He sent Jesus to come and to die for you. And look what verse 23 says, too, about you this morning. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him. The God Almighty, who created the heavens and the earth, who is worthy to be worshipped by everyone, is zeroed in on you this morning, seeking for you to quit being religious Quit playing games. Quit being an atheist wherever you are. Quit being half-hearted. He's looking for you to surrender and worship Him the rest of your life. And I want to challenge you this morning to make a decision to worship God with your life. Let's pray. Christian, we'll talk more in just a second, but boy, make this decision. Make this decision. God, I want you to worship Him. Worship Him. You're here this morning and you're not a Christian. Your first act of worship is is giving Him your life. If you're ready to do that, pray with me where you are and just say, Jesus, I confess to you I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. And Jesus, I accept your God's Son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender, I surrender my life to you today. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. And when we do, Some of you just prayed that with me. Are you ready to do that? Would you step out and come down this morning? Let one of our ministers help you. Would you make a decision today to worship God for the first time with your life? You want to catch one of us after church and do that? That'd be great too. But make that decision. Maybe you'd like to join our church. We would love for you to today. And one way you can do that, you can do it after church or you can come this morning and join us. We want to be a church that worships Jesus and helps you worship Jesus. Come and join us. You're a Christian this morning. Maybe you're doing great with this. Keep it up. Maybe the truth is you're not doing as well. I want to challenge you. When we stand in a moment, don't just go through the motions. Where you're standing, worship God. Surrender your heart to God. Some of you need to come and pray with a minister or get on your knees or your face before God today and worship Him. Let's stand.